Good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's August 17, 2023. And thanks so much for being here with us today, or perhaps you're listening on the archives. You know we archive everything wherever you're listening, but also at our home website for our American Consortium for Equity and Education. That's over at ace-ed.org. That's for educators, and everything we do over there is free for you. Our magazine is over there, which is an online journal called Equity and Access. All the podcasts are over there. Excuse me. Our Excellence in Equity Awards is also over there, and we hope to participate in everything we do. Again, free for educators, free for really for everybody, but we're pro. But we we focus on educators, so please check it all out. And speaking of focusing on education, we get a nice podcast for you today with the first time guest. I've got Nora Garcia Reyes here, and I'll bring you in just a second, Nora. Okay, Nora is the founder and CEO of of the Bilingual Education Empowerment Partners, which if you go to beepartners.org, bepartners, B-E-E, you like the bug, bepartners.org, you'll be able to find out exactly what she's doing over there. And uh, Nora and I have tried to put together this podcast uh, like four times, and each time something came up. So Nora, you're on now, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you here, all the way from Texas to Maine. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Larry. How are you? I'm just fine. Where are you in Texas? Where are you? I'm actually outside of the Houston area. I live about 45 minutes from downtown Houston, north ah. of downtown Houston. Then you must know yes, what's going on. So. I, I read it in New York Times this weekend. There's all kinds of, uh, I'll call it chaos in the Houston Independent School District regarding the state taking over and closing libraries and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm not happy with all that. What do you know about that? Well, there's been a huge upheaval in Houston, um, you know, highly politicized environment. Yep, um, Houston had been making lots of progress, and still the state decided to step in and take over in a political move. And so, yeah, the Houston area, you have those that are still protesting and just fighting what's going on, but and it, then you have others that are, yeah, trying to, uh, yeah. you know, do their best to embrace the changes that are inevitably coming. And so... You know, it is not an easy time for Houston. Right now, I actually worked in Houston for six years for Houston ISD um, about 10 years ago, and um, it was a very different place from what it is, obviously, now. Um, Let's just hope for the best. You know, I'm just You're darn right. Let's hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, I I just, uh, and and you said the word, you know, schools probably do need some help, but what they don't need is politicalization. Okay, and that is, of course, exactly what is happening. And uh, and this is Larry speaking, and I am not happy about it at all. I don't like the fact that they got rid of so many librarians, which to me are a very integral part of of the K-12 education. So to me, it's it's rather ridiculous, but uh, terrifying. But we'll see see what would happen. Thank you for those insights from Nora somewhere close to uh, Houston, Texas. Nora, tell us about your company. Again, let me say you're the founder and CEO of, I love this, because it's an ex, such an equity question. We're so involved with that here at our Consortium for Equity. Again, I'll give the full name, Bilingual Education Empowerment Partners, B-E-E Partners, and it's B-Partners, like the, like the bug, B-E-E Partners.org. Tell us all about it. 
Okay, uh, well, Bee Partners was officially founded in 2020, um, but it, we had started doing some work in 2019 around um, this concept of supporting bilingual educators. Uh, as a former bilingual educator, I started in bilingual education in 1994 and um, saw just a huge amount of change come through the field in uh, the years from 94 to the present. And um, one thing that I did not see change a lot was access to resources for teachers. And so when I started the company, my goal was that um, that's something that we could change, you know, that that's something that we're making an impact to change. Um, and so that is really the basis of the goal of our whole company is to provide resources, support professional learning, opportunities for bilingual educators who perhaps don't have that type of support in their school district, um, mm -hmm. but also an inadequate amount in their school district, which we see, you know, to be many times the norm. And, and, and so the, the, if people go to the website, what they're going to find are a lot of good solutions in professional development, or will they also find resources that the teachers can use with the kids? They will find resources. Um, many of those are being uploaded uh, still. We're in the process of cool. changing. We have a lot of things that we've created, but they were being sold as part of a curriculum package. And so we're just mm -hmm. sifting through that to see what we feel teachers could use from that particular curriculum supplement that we have on an independent way. And so, um, yes, they will find that. They will find links to uh, another uh, website that we have that provides uh, a database of Spanish websites that are available all over the world Great. to help them teach. So just, there's just different things they're able to access from, from the main website, from the bepartners.org um, website. And, and, you know, i got to ask, yeah, and, and, and te let's just look at Texas. I mean, Texas has so many people of Latino descent, okay, plus so many other languages, et cetera, being used down there. All right. Uh, what, the, what is, uh, just from your experience and what this happened, are, are enough people teaching the kids so that they, in the language that they understand? I mean, that's what we're really talking about here. We, we do want to get kids speaking English, but we don't want them to lose their own language. They understand better in many cases in their own language, obviously, until they learn the complexities of, 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 of American uh, English. Uh, talk, talk about what, What's going on with bilingual education? I guess is my is my question. Okay, how's it really affecting kids, and are there enough educators who know how to do it right? Yes. Well, first I would say um, about only about fifty two percent of English learners are enrolled in bilingual education programs in primary grades. So if you think about like roughly half of them actually have access to bilingual education. Bilingual education was started because of research that was done proving that the home language could be the basis on which we would build another language, which makes sense, right? Um, it's really difficult to build does. another language, yeah. right, if you don't have access to your own home language. And, and, so, and let, me you know, the let me make the point. If I was in school in Mexico, me, and they started teaching me in Spanish, Okay, they might be teaching me science. I would not understand the word they were saying because I'm not a good Spanish speaker at this stage of the game. 
uh, this is so obvious, and yet there's always a fight about it. It's ridiculous. Uh, yes, Laura, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't it's understand. It's so silly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know the, they don't the, understand. The logic is amazing. Yeah. Right, right. Because you, you think, okay, this is great, right? The child is, you know, where you have this idea of people saying, oh, but they're little sponges. They're going to absorb it all. <laughs> well, you know what? They're going to start yeah. learning English, you know, making some, you know, um, sense of what the teacher is saying however they're not in that entire lesson they've lost the entire content of the lesson so now you have gaps right you have gaps in knowledge and so and it may take you know a year to develop basic interpersonal communication skills and academic language we know takes anywhere from um you know uh, six to you know to, to seven years to develop fully so you're really going to see gaps in, in a student's learning if you're not providing that support. Obviously, the best support is having native language instruction in a dual language setting, right? Exactly. So that they're acquiring both languages, you know, to whatever model that a particular place has. And that, that's also been proven to have the best impact uh, academically for students by research, um, longitudinal research that's been done. But uh, aside from that, you know, the very, le- the very lowest uh, that I know that a lot of school districts offer is an ESL pullout program, right? And ESL pullout is better than nothing, but it also is the least impact. So that's something for districts mm-hmm. to know, that, you know, if they have the ability to provide bilingual education, it is always the best way for students to, receive, to achieve proficiency. And, you know, that being said, I mean, we're still, even after all of the years that bilingual education has been implemented, yeah. we're still, I believe, at the infancy stage of providing equitable instruction and, you know, instruction that is effective for those students. When we look at the National Education, um, the National Association of Educational Progress uh, report, it, it's dismal. Yeah, the, you know, for reading, the EL proficiency rate was 9%. And it was even, uh-huh. you know, and it was 14% in uh, mathematics. And so we have not done justice. I mean, it, it, people talk about how low it is, right, for everyone else. But mm-hmm. really when you look at how it's impacted, you know, the, the lack of um, equitable instruction in bilingual education has impacted students, it's a huge huge, huge, huge deficit that we have in terms of what we've done for students. And I think, again, a lot of it is that it's been so politicized in yeah. so many places that, yeah. you know, for 20 years California refused to provide it. So that's obviously going to have had an impact on many students, um, you know, all, all across the country. Just the political environment is really you know, is really, really what has counted, I think, in terms of bilingual education. And we need to take it out of the political frying pan. We do. I mean, it, it's just absolutely. And, and it's funny because every time, you know, this type of um, the types of discussions and, and politics come up and, and um, if you will, regimes change, right? Many times one of the targets has been bilingual education. And um, we need to mm-hmm. take it out. I mean, nobody fights over special ed, right? Nobody says, oh, let's not provide that because that's not a good thing, you know. 
um, or why do they deserve that? You know, um, they have special needs, but that doesn't mean we have to do that for them. Or, you know, nobody fights against talented and gifted programs. They're all the same type of program. It's a special program to scaffold for the needs of the students who are in that group. And so we need right. to take bilingual education out of it. And, of course, immigrant populations are easy targets for politicians. And so we see that, you know, that has continued to be an issue, um, especially for Latino youth that are in uh, bilingual programs and receiving the type of education that they um, deserve and that we promise, right? And so, and, and you know, it, it's just, interesting. I mean, you, you just had you just had me thinking on something, and you kind of just said that same thing. And you said especially for Latino kids, all right. And uh, I'm curious, do we have the same challenge with uh, bilingual students? And I'm just going to use with Chinese, okay? Uh, you know, the Asian kids, they they they, they tend to do very well. Okay, they just one of those things. All right, the Latino kids are no less intelligent. Okay, so how did the, are we are we focusing more when we say bilingual education on on Spanish or are we talking about Arab and, and Japanese and, and Thai or whatever the case may be? Where, where are we on that? Is it more Latino that we are speaking of? I don't know how yes, to ask that question and, and exactly say- right, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes, I know exactly what you're asking. Um, Because of the numbers of youth that we have in this country that are English language learners, with the majority of them being of Hispanic uh, heritage or background, then, yeah, we we see a larger number of programs that are um, definitely programs that are teaching as the, the home language is Spanish, correct? And so we do have some programs across the country that provide Arabic bilingual education or um, Chinese. There is a program actually in, in Houston that has Chinese as the basis. Um, but for the immigrant populations that are here, households. Are you there? For one second, I lost you. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. You said for the immigrant um, populations that are here and that I lost you. Yes, so immigrant populations largely in the United States are Latino. Um, we do have, as I said, uh, some populations that are non-Latino, but uh, the largest group is still going to be Latino student, you know, students so, that are um, in these programs. For okay, sure. so let's look at Texas. Who are, they, who are the districts? And I know some of the districts are actually going down to uh, – uh, South America and Central America and bring, trying to bring teachers up who could speak the language. You know, who are the actual teachers, all right, that are trying to do this? I mean, they need help. They, for the most they part, really need help. And, 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 you know, you know, we're talking about, let's just take secondary and even elementary education. You're not talking about one teacher. You know, a kid interacts with six or seven teachers, all right? And even if one speaks beautiful Spanish or four speak beautiful Spanish, what about the other three? You know, what, how does it all work with the teachers? Where are we going to get the teachers to do this? And that's why what you guys do at Be Partners is so important because you're trying to give them the resources they need to make this work. But what if you don't speak, if you're a science teacher and you don't speak Spanish, as an example? What, what are we yes, talking yes. about here, Dora? Exactly. Please help. Yeah. Yes, and so the, that's a very interesting uh, question because all bilingual programs and dual language programs in the state of Texas 
um, well, they're all now being um, highly encouraged to become dual language programs. There are different models for Mm -hmm. dual language education. So dual language education may be a one-way program, and a one-way program means basically that everyone in the classroom is an English learner, okay? Or it may be a two-way program, and in a two-way program, you may have students that are stronger in either English or in Spanish, and they're all together in one language, in one classroom. And then you may have um, a dual language immersion model where you're seeing those, um, the same uh, differentiation of students, the same percentages of students in each language, in each classroom, and they're all learning in one language predominantly at the beginning. And then as the years go by, they, it turns more into a model where um, the percentage of the day that's being taught is being taught in, um, in another language. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and, and school districts decide. You know, they decide what content is being sure. taught in what language. Sure. Um, and again, based on personnel that they have available, based on their program model. Um, in the state of Texas, they've now allowed for the second teacher, it used to be that both teachers had to be fully bilingual. Well, now they have allowed for the second teacher, for instance, in a partnership um, to be a non-Spanish-speaking teacher. So no. that they're now able to provide uh, that instruction and it, and it maximizes the use of staff, right? Because you're absolutely right. You know, the shortage of staff is, yeah, is a real issue. It's, it is, and, um, and I read somewhere, and, you know, I don't remember exactly, you know, the citation, but the majority of bilingual teachers in the United States are not Latino. They're white, okay? Uh, and I would think that that's because, the, you know, we just simply don't have the staff. We're not growing our own. And one of the important yeah. reasons yeah. that I believe that yeah. that's the truth is that we have uh, – taken so many years to annihilate, if you will, the language of that student, that when you, they grow up, they have very limited Spanish by the time they graduate high school. And so you have not created, you know, a pipeline of teachers then for your, uh, for society, you know, that's available and able to speak the other language. And yet we have... And and not only in bilingual, but everywhere across the board we have it, we've lost the pipeline, okay, which is yes, really creating a problem. I have one other question. I want to get back to be partners in a second, but I'm just going to think as you're talking, in education schools, colleges uh, throughout Texas, they know a great a great portion of the uh, student body where somebody is going to be going to be Latino, okay? And I'm, I'm wondering why they don't actually make uh, the Spanish language learning part of it, uh, the education program. In Texas, you're going to need that. You've got to be able to speak Spanish, okay? If you're going to be a teacher, you learn to speak Spanish. It's pretty simple in that regard, okay? I mean, I had Spanish in ninth grade and tenth grade, but that was it, okay? And this is 10,000 years ago. Spanish, Spain had just been uh, left by the Moors. It wasn't there so long ago, okay? And, uh, you know, the, the are the colleges stepping up with the, the pipeline challenge and all? This is where you come in because we don't have the right teachers there. Okay, they should do that, Nora. They should teach them a certain part of education. They should, and and, and actually, you know, uh, it would be helpful, right? Obviously, in four years, very few people can master a language, but there are those that can. 
definitely master a language in four years. Um, yeah, but once you start, you, you know, start getting into it. But at least, you, you, you know, it would be a beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It would be a start. You know, it would be a start. Yeah. Um, however, you do, they do have to take a, a Spanish proficiency test in order to be, and it's an oral language proficiency test, in order to become a bilingual teacher. So as part of the certification process, you have to be able to um, pass this test. And so they would have to teach, I think, to the level of, you know, whatever the, the level is for them to reach. And I don't know how they would support, but I don't see why those programs would not be available because uh, we definitely need to be growing that, that group of students that, um, sure do. that is going to serve this. You know, now the state of Texas is over, um, well, it's nearly half, Latinos are nearly half now of um, the population in the state of Texas. In fact, we've outnumbered the white population in the state of Texas. So you would think, you know, this is a huge population. You You know, let's think about this and let's start to plan. And, and of course, they fought um, numerous times to try to get uh, a dual language seal on, um, on high school graduation uh, certificates. And that's, you know, defeated every time in the legislature. And it's school districts like um, Dallas ISD, who has a very strong dual language program that goes through high school uh, that has really been behind pushing this. And yet, you know, the state refuses to acknowledge that being bilingual is an asset and not a deficit, you know. And um, (sighs) until we change that mindset in the United States, and I, I really believe, I truly believe that this is the only country in which we view having a second language as a deficit. Because exactly. anywhere you go in the world, people are multilingual. So, you know, and we expect people to speak English when we go to Europe. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, and like until, they speak Danish. Yeah. yeah. And until <laughs> we change that mindset of, you know, that this is a deficit that students have, we're we're not going to get very far. And so no, that we're, needs we're to not, change we're lose kids. all over our country. We're going we're to lose yeah, kids. Yeah, we are. Okay, so getting back to B Partners, you come up with this on site at, 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 at bbeepartners.org. Okay, you have professional development things and curriculum resources that teachers can use. Am I correct? Correct. Okay, and what's correct. your favorite and, stuff um, on there? Yeah, point people over there. Well, I'm going to tell you what I what our flagship to me is our flagship yeah, product. Ahead that is now just being brought out into the market is our social solutions, um, which is Soluciones Sociales in Spanish, and it is being offered bilingually. There's an English version and there's a Spanish version. It's been created specifically for dual language programs uh, in, for, uh, for teaching reading and also for scaffolding social studies instruction. And so we have an integration of the both of them in there but the emphasis in that product is bringing Latino culture and history to the forefront. Mm, nice. And so as you know, you know, again, we are a, a huge portion of the population. Spanish was actually the first oh, language, you know, Spanish, the Spanish were the first colonizers in the United, in, in the United States. And North America. Also yeah. Yeah. On the actually, continent, you know, yeah, right. You're right. Yeah, and yet we've, you know, we've fought against. Well, maybe the not on the kind of, they might, the, the, the Vikings might argue on that one with Leif Erikson. I'm not sure on that one, but certainly in the U.S. That's true. If you can prove that, that they came, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. You know? And, and as far it's as certainly, colonies, it's certainly South America. It's Central America. Right, right. I mean, yeah. And so we now, may, the old you know. Teacher, it's the old history teacher speaking out here. That's all. Yeah. yeah well, we had colonies in Florida, Spanish colonies before, yeah. you know, before we had uh, Anglo-Saxon colonies. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. You know, and so, you know, these things. Have you know these the the history is has been ignored for so long, um, and we're we're mentioned in so little of American history uh, that our goal was to create opportunities for students to learn about their cultural cultural patrimony and the contributions of Hispanic Americans and in, into the United States um, primarily because what we get a lot of times also in schools is that we have access, for instance, we have access to textbooks that are from Latin America online free, right? Because those, those um, countries oh, really? uh, have national education standards and they allow everything to be loaded for free on, you know, on uh, websites. So textbooks and everything are loaded for free and our teachers have access to that. However, it tells our students nothing about the history of Hispanics in the United States because exactly. it's based, yeah. each country base, bases their history on their country. Their own history. So we yeah. can find out about, you know, historical figures in Mexico or in Ecuador or in Peru, but we don't know anything about what's happened right here in our country. And so this product is specifically for teaching students about prominent Hispanic figures outside of the few that we ever have mentioned during Hispanic Heritage Month. <laughs> Yeah. Like Cesar Chavez True. and Dolores Huerta, right? Yeah. Everyone knows the name of Cesar Chavez, but beyond that, you know, ask a child, you know, do you know of any Hispanic mathematicians? Uh, no. <laughs> do you have you heard of any Hispanics who impacted? You know, it, it's now just coming to the forefront. Um, you know, yeah. people are learning about Sylvia Mendez after so many years. You know, and and the legislation that happened that supported Brown versus, edu- or pre- was a precursor to Brown versus edu- uh, wow. the Board of Education. And wow. so yeah, those, it's, it's those types it's of lost. things happen, but and, and, nobody and, and knows, you know, right? Yeah, and you know what's interesting? The people who make the policy don't know either, okay? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That's, that's, what, that's what's happened. The, the, the impact of the, uh, the culture gets is, is taken out of history, so you, the, the people who make the policy don't even know what, the, what they're missing. Okay, quite obviously, they wouldn't know what they're missing because they never were taught it. They never learned it. They never had reason to learn exactly. it. Exactly. Okay, and and so they're making policies based on what they don't. They don't know what they don't know. Let's put it that way. Okay, so I'm glad Absolutely. you're putting this in, out there. We got to get people involved with your stuff, um, please. Okay, everybody, check out. And by the way, the bilingual kids are. I don't have to tell you guys this. The bi the bilingual kids are everywhere. Okay, I talk to uh, you know rural communities in Iowa. Who have mostly Latino kids in their in their community? Okay, it's it's it's, un, it's everywhere. Okay, and it's a good thing, not a bad thing. So we want to make sure that these kids learn and learn well, because if we don't, we lose them. Okay, they need to speak English. There's nothing wrong with that, but we can't lose the culture. And we got products now that help you do it, like Nora's product at bpartners.org. Nora, this is great. You're going to come back on again. I like having you on. Well, thank you. I enjoy. I'm really enjoying my time being here. I love having you. And I'm so glad for the opportunity because you know this is 
this is one well, of the only ways people are going to know that we're here. Yeah, you I know, know, we're new. I know. Um, we're yeah, we're bringing things out into the market that are not. Yeah, you are. Um, they're not there. Yeah, you they're know. They're not there. They're needed. They're needed. And uh, we will they're help you. They're needed. We will help you. Okay? Thank you. We're going Thank to stay you. in touch. Thanks for being here. I appreciate, appreciate that. It. Okay. And, and enjoy the heat down there. I'm sure it's boiling for James <laughs> down there. How is it today? It, you know, How is it? we're supposed to get a relief. We're going to, supposed to get some relief next week, but we'll see. Oh, good. I hope so. I hope so. Okay. You guys have had a lousy summer with all this heat. Okay. You and yes, everybody else in the Southwest. You, it has been terrible. Nora, thank you. Okay, we'll talk again, I promise. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for everything. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Uh, for today. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sonora Garcia-Reyes, everybody. It's bepartners, B-E-E-partners.org. This is good stuff. It's an equity question. Check it out, please. Okay? It's for third to fifth grade, and it really makes sense. Okay? All right. We're going to archive at ace-ed.org, and we'll be back to you tomorrow. All right. So, everybody, I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening.